Howdy, 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 and welcome to Thriving in the Transition, the podcast, episode 11. Yes, you know the spiel, here it comes. I'm truly humbled to be able to bring this podcast to you and to be part of your lives. Yes, I say it every week, that's why I called it a spiel, but that's only because I mean it and because it's true. Your feedback, encouragement, and connection make it all worthwhile. Doing this and connecting with you is truly, truly amazing and inspirational for me. It's one of those things that I look forward to every week. It absolutely keeps me going in this time of shelter in place, social distancing, and COVID-19. So, yay me, yay you, and yay us. As we continue to grow and broaden our audience, go ahead and give us that five-star rating. Follow us, subscribe, add positive comments, keep the negative comments to yourself. No, whatever the comments are, share them with us. Like us, give us a thumbs up. Ultimately, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say, what I'm consistent with every week, you should connect with us. You should engage with us. Right now, this podcast is up and available on Anchor FM, Apple Podcast, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Simply search for us wherever you listen to great podcasts. We strive to be among that great list of podcasts that you listen to, rely upon, and ultimately find useful. Why am I doing this? It got real, real quick, right? It really is a great question, and I refuse to answer based upon my God-given constitutional rights and the glorious Fifth Amendment. Wait, that's not the one we're all up in arms about this week, is it? Maybe it's the Second Amendment. Ah, I don't have a gun. Ah, crap. Where's my do-it-yourself, at-home constitutional law degree that everyone seems to have in times like this? Oh, well, I'll, I'll continue. The truth is simply this. I want to practice what I preach. I absolutely believe that part of my purpose in this life is to connect with others and to bring people together. I want to highlight and exemplify the fact that we've got more in common than we do in difference. Yes, the differences are much easier to identify, but discovering and appreciating the commonalities, that's so much more fun. That's so much more special. That's so much more meaningful. And that's what I want to do. I want to add meaning to your lives and anyone that hears my voice, that sees me speak, that takes a class from me, whatever the case may be. So yeah, that's partly why I'm doing it. The other part of why I do this, or the rest of the story, I simply want to shine a light on those slightly enigmatic, charismatic, and inspirational people among us. Because sometimes they go overlooked. They can be ignored. I want to share their stories about thriving in and during times of transition. The theory being that hearing other people succeed will give anyone that may be struggling with motivation, or encouragement, that impetus to continue to thrive in their own respective transitions. 
And today, ladies and gentlemen, today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to a very near and dear friend of mine, Lynn Watkins Asianbi. I even remember how we met. It was during an icebreaker at an engineering group gathering at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I happened to be sitting next to her, and we were paired up for an icebreaker. And this icebreaker was to introduce someone in the group to the rest of the group. So I had to introduce her. She had to introduce me. It stands out because she nearly choked when we got to that part, where you're from. And I said, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Her response was Cape Chahu. To this day, it is still absolutely amazing. Here's the thing. When I introduced her, it was in that moment that you realize you're not the smartest person in the room. Anyone else ever have that experience? I'm asking for a friend. Even then, my initial thoughts were, how is she doing all of this? How is she capable of putting all this stuff together? I thought I was good. In fact, I knew I was good. In that moment, I'm like, boy, I'm a slacker. I clearly need to step up my game. Guess what? That's still the case and maybe more so. All right, let's get into this conversation on time versus commitment and Lynn's story right after this little break. Intro and outro music by Genesis 7. You can listen to more of his music on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, or wherever you stream your music. Just search for Genesis 7. That is G-E-N-E-S-I-S, and then the number 7 directly behind it. If you're interested in purchasing music from him, shoot him a note on the contact form on his website at Genesis7Productions.com. I'm at a loss for words right now. Uh, I get to introduce you to someone who I love dearly. I've known this woman for, I won't say how many years because she'll hit me afterwards, uh, a really, really long time. You get to meet and hear from Lynn Watkins Asiandi, business astute legal counselor who loves to have fun in all that she does. But not just that. Let me give you some perspective. Looking at her LinkedIn profile, her resume, anything that she does, I feel like a slacker. I feel like I have not taken my Wheaties. I've not had my mineral water. I feel like I could do more. Everything from a degree in chemical engineering, a BA in economics, which I didn't even realize. This is how much this woman does. She does stuff, and I don't even realize it. JD, MBA volunteer effort, mom, wife, just all of this stuff. Give a big welcome to Lynn. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Will, for having me on today. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. You know, it's funny. Uh, We've talked. I've given you a list of topics, and the thing that resonated or that we agreed upon is time and commitment. And now I know why you picked it. Uh, you do more stuff than is humanly possible with the amount of time that physics dictates. Not 
true, but I do think that I feel passionate about and because I've had such a full life, I feel like there are things that I can give back to and contribute in a meaningful way. So, But I know that some people look at me and go, I don't know how you do it all, um, but it's, it's driven through passion, first and foremost. That's where I then spend my time and commitment for. I love that. Spending your time and commitments on things that you're passionate about. Now, I've talked to other people. I've talked to colleagues, peers, family members. Sometimes when they talk about passion, or I use the word passion, it's like, because I give the same response that you do. How do you do so much? Well, it's I'm following my passion. It's what I'm passionate about. Sometimes the response is, how do you know what you're passionate about? Or I don't know what I'm passionate about. Or how do you find your passions? How would you answer that? What advice, what would you tell people if you got that response, I don't know what my passions are? I think some of it is from lived experiences. So for um, example, my mom suffered from Alzheimer's for over seven years. When she died, it was you know a celebratory experience for our family just because of the degenerative nature of this disease and how progressive it can be. It just strips away a person's mind and you basically just have skin and bones there that doesn't understand, you know, who you are, where they are, anything like that. So when I was asked to join the Alzheimer's board for the Illinois chapter, I immediately agreed. It wasn't something that, you know, took brain surgery for me. It was, again, a lived experience that I felt that no other family should have to go through. So I support that organization because of the lived experiences that I've had. Another organization that I'm a part of, um, Women Employed, it helps all women to fulfill their dreams of a career, whatever that might look like, whether it's low-wage working women or successful women in their careers such as I. Um, I've joined that organization and been part of it for many years because it's about policies, policies that if weren't in place in the workforce, um, I and some of my peers would not be where we are. And it's empowering those low-wage working women to have a voice in their careers as well. So, for instance, the state say paid sick time, that is a um, – agenda item that we have been pushing for a very long time, and it's really now coming to fruition with COVID-19 and, and all the businesses that are shut down. But even before this, you know, we had testimonies from women who worked in a grocery store. Her son got ill and had the flu for like a week, and she had to call off. By the time she came back, she was fired because she didn't have any type of sick time to use something that you and I likely take for granted, but many people wow. don't. And so, you know, with that struggle of, you know, even now you hear people saying, I have to go to work because I need this money. It is a, a stark reality for some of the benefits that we take so for granted. And so, again, another passion of mine, because I have been a afforded these opportunities through policies that I didn't even realize existed. 
And so that is why, you know, for me, it's really important for you to look through these lived experiences that you have and find out, well, what means the most to me and how can I make a difference? It may be a small difference as being a volunteer for a walk or uh, something that you're truly passionate about. It could be calling people to inform them of resources that may be available. It's the small things that all add up to make a difference in this world. And so that's, again, I truly believe I've been very fortunate and blessed to be, have a seat at the table to really impact change from a, a board perspective. But I also introduce these different organizations to friends and family just because I know that someone will take it and go, hey, this may be something I'm interested in or this is useful information for me to share with someone else. You just never know how you can impact someone. Brilliant, and thank you for that. So look at your life experiences. Totally makes sense and something simple that anyone can do. And again, for the folks listening, she gave two examples. Rest assured, there's another half dozen at least that we could put in the space that she could talk about. So you are listening to an expert in passions and following your passions. Lynn, a question that occurred to me as you were talking. How many of these opportunities to have the seat at the table, to have an impact, to have an influence, did you seek? Did you, I mean, how many of these things did you go after? It's a I leading think, question, and yeah. I know I'm talking to counsel, so you get that. Uh, okay. How many of these things, opportunities did you seek versus just showing up? I think earlier in my career, I was seeking the opportunities, but now later in my career, I'm sought out to be on these various boards or being part of different organizations. And so you definitely have to pick and choose because there's probably, like you said, half dozen more that I already am involved with, but then there's still probably double that have sought me to be on their board. The humility from the folks that I've had on this show, it, it humbles me. This is, I'm, I'm stuttering, this is in addition to her day job, to her family, to hobbies, to any sort of balance there. So it's a beautiful thing. And Lynn, I kind of joked about it at the beginning. How do you find the time? There's still 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Somewhere in there, you used your engineering background to create more time, or am I missing something? <laughs> um, I have not created, I've not, you know, made 28 hours into a day. You know, I know some people go, I don't need sleep. I definitely am one of those that need sleep. So pre-COVID, as I'll call it, my, my day started at probably like 4, 4.15 in the morning, only because, and that wasn't every day, but at least three or four times a week because I would go to our gym. I love this gym that I found. It's called D3. It's primarily women, but we are open to all. The owner, Dre Nichols, she is so passionate about her passion about making sure people are healthy, not just from exercise, but through nutrition, and really now the social-emotional aspect. She's done a lot of research on, you know, why do we eat constantly if we're stressed out or we're feeling sad, and it's helping us as members to learn from a social-emotional standpoint how to, you know, 
help us address that from a fitness standpoint and just being healthy. So that that would be my day starting out. Um, and then I come home, get ready for the work day. I have two kids at two different schools. I do drop off, but I feel that that's important for me to spend that time with my kids to do that. Then I'd go on into my office, spend, you know, several hours there. Um, I am an attorney by training for in-house company. I have global responsibilities, so I could be on calls for people within Asia and in India, um, here in the U.S., you know, helping them in, with strategy, with, you know, legal advice. And then my day would end by me picking up one of my two sons and then us coming home and doing dinner or going to their practices. They're both very big in sports. So I have become this um, mom that looked at each time entry of my day very carefully to say, is this something that matters to me? Yes, of course, we all have day jobs that some parts of it take. Others, you know, have to do. But the time outside of that, I really spent trying to evaluate what was important to me. You know, my kids are older. My oldest keeps joking. Now he only has four more summers left with me. And in some sense, oh, I can, wow. <laughs> yeah. Four more summers, Mom, and I'm off to college. So, um, you know, I, I get sad about that because I'm like, wow, the time has gone. And, you know, teenagers don't like to talk to you as parents anyway. So that short time in the car with them, whether it was to practice or coming home from school, makes all the difference. And I think them seeing me there makes a difference. Early on in my career, I had to use, you know, our village, as I call it, with nannies and babysitters. And I could just tell the demeanor in them was very different than, you know, now mom or dad would say, will come and get you and, and take you to your, to, your, to your places of enjoyment. So, you know, I've become the, the all-in sports mom that on the weekends we are at tournaments and people go, I don't know how you do that all. And I said, it's the joy of see seeing my kids enjoy what they're doing that brings me joy. And, you know, I start my day out with a devotional every day, one or, one or two or three, um, just to keep me grounded because I realize that all of this is not possible without some type of, um, for me, God, but some other thing for others. Um, that has allowed me and afford me both the opportunities as well as the intellect as well as the family situation. Um, I have a very supportive husband as well, and my parents were also, you know, great supporters when my kids were young as well as I was trying to build my career and do all these outside activities. <laughs> right, and, and I'm glad you recognize all the outside activities that you do. <laughs> it really is impressive, people. I'm, I, coming from me, that says a lot, but it's really, really <laughs> impressive. Uh, Lynn, you, you made a couple points, not only with talking about your passions and, and what adds value or what has meaning for you. When you were talking about the board opportunities, you said early on in your career you sought out these opportunities, and later on you were sought out. Leads me to a point that I want to make for everyone, and I'd, I'd love to hear what you think of this point. Passion leads to opportunity. Early on in your career, you said you, you sought things out, but still following your passion, and as a result, opportunity now finds you. So why follow your passion? It leads to opportunity. What do you think? 
I, I agree. Um, I'll just give a quick example because I know my examples have been running long. But early on, I was trying to get on the shared um, auxiliary board. It's like a 70-person board for young professionals. Only because, one, my kids were loving aquatics at the time. And so I, it took me three years to get on that board, though. It wasn't something like, you know, I called up one day and was like, I'm interested. First, I had to find someone that I knew that was on the actual trustee board to vouch for me. Um, and I was able to do that. And then, you know, I had to go through a series of interviews with the auxiliary board exec team to see, you know, why me? And then, you know, once I was on that board, it gave me great opportunity to get closer to the shed, understand, you know, the operations. And even though I'm no longer on that auxiliary board and I'm not on the trustee because I cannot, you know, I'm not that big bucks yet. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> they asked me to sit on the education because for me, another one of my passions is equity in education, especially in a large city like this. And you've heard about this whole equity issue with COVID-19 and with CPS. But long before, I guess because my husband's an educator, and he always chose to go to the lowest tier schools and make a difference, you know, jointly we have found that this is something that, you know, we're passionate about. My mother was an educator for 35 years, so. I think it was just in my blood not to be a teacher, but to at least. <laughs> uh, I know how you threw it out there real quick. My, in my blood, not to be a teacher. Not, <laughs> not me, not me. I don't have the patience. Like, I have a point. And so, you know, they asked me to sit on this trustee committee as a non-trustee member and as a non-auxiliary board member to still hear my voice because I always brought forth issues of equity into that conversation that I think um, was missing before. Brilliant. I, and I think that's a great example. Other things that are woven into that is you have to work for what you want. You have mm -hmm. to build your own value. You have to know your value. You have to network. You have to connect. And just because you find an in doesn't mean it's a guaranteed slam dunk. People Correct. still want to know your story and what you bring to the table. Exactly. And you know, many of these boards, it is a give-get commitment. So, you know, for that, you know, that can be overwhelming for people because they're like, I can't raise $5,000. I can't raise $10,000. I don't have friends that are going to buy a $200 ticket. I don't have a firm or a company that's going to support me. I am a entrepreneur myself. I offer this to say, don't let that be the impediment because, again, if these organizations and institutions see something in you that's unique and that you bring forth to them, they'll help you figure out the give-get commitment. I think what they want to see, one, is a commitment from you of your time, your thought partnership with them, and how that um, levels with their organization's missions and goals. And then the give-get is important, especially on nonprofit boards. But you will find that many of your friends will support you in different ways. So. Again, I, I say that because some people don't realize that there is this level of financial commitment, and it is. And in the beginning of early careers, that may not they, that may be an impediment, but don't, don't let that just be like, nope, throw my hands up, I'm not doing this, because, again, all of us need to have our voices at the table. Nice. And you used a couple words that actually lead to the next point that I, I wanted to make or, or ask you about, time and commitment. Now, in 
describing your, your day pre-COVID, and I suspect it's still now. You're, you're being really modest. Uh, you talked about getting up at 4.15. That's ridiculous to begin with. But getting up at 4.15 and going to the gym and driving your kids to school, and you threw in very casually two different schools, then going to work, being available globally, um, then you throw in a husband and a home life and, and then picking up a son and, and dinner and, and all this stuff. Those two seem to go against the grain. They, they seem to be opposed, time and commitment. I, I want to give an example, and then I, I want you to respond. There will be a question here, Lynn, I promise. No, no, no. <laughs> when most people talk about time, time management, there's a mental list, right? I've got to do A, B, C, and D. One, two, three, and four. Oh, I've got limited time. Let me look at that list and let me just cut off the last three things to ensure that they get done. But what I'm hearing from you, if you look at that list now through the lens of commitment, those things that you should be spending your time on jump to the top. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Is, is that accurate? I agree. And, and and I think oh go ahead finish with your question. <laughs> oh no 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 that's that's my question it's it's all you. No I think yes it definitely jumps to the top so although a lot of that seems like oh my god I don't know how she does it and I'm in a big city I will say that my time in the car I'm actually COVID era I'm like whoo no traffic but it would take <laughs> me probably an hour and 15 minutes from the time I left my house in the morning, dropped off the two and got to work. I was in the car hour and 15 minutes. And I only went eight, 10 miles at most. It's just traffic and congestion everywhere in Chicago. Um, but I, but again, using that time in the car, I could have my kids with their earplugs on and everyone not talking, but I'm using that time to actually have conversations with them. Even if it, you started out as yes, no, they got to, um, after a while, see, this woman is not going to let me put my earbuds on and just be at peace in the morning by myself, so let me just keep talking. Um, and so, again, using that time wisely, um, you know, if, you know, you're on the train or something like that, can you do anything on the train versus, you know, maybe that's your time for, you know, your own thoughts. You know, for me, I used to use that time in the car to have, calls with either clients or with nonprofits, and I felt like, hey, I'm, like, totally ignoring the people that that I care the most about, and Mm. so I stopped doing calls in the car. I was like, it has to wait until, you know, I just block out my calendar. 9.30 on, you can have me, Um, and if it's not a time that fits that day, we got to go to the next day. Because I was, again, early in my career, I would be open 24-7 to people. So I'd have calls as early as 5.30 in the morning sometimes. And then I'm like, well, that's impeding on my gym time. Or I'd have calls at 9.30 at night. And I'm like, well, again, that's impeding on my gym time because I have to go to bed by 10 (laughs) in order to, well, really 9, in order to get up by 4. You old, girl. You old. I am. I'm old. But I'm I'm not sacrificing my sleep time. I won't say abuse, but I'll say, you know, all of our bodies have to rest. Some people work on adrenaline, but I am not one of them. Lynn, just some brilliant nuggets right there. And I do realize we've, we've been talking a while, and I haven't even gotten to my quote-unquote standard questions, which, which is cool. That's, that's not a deal for me. But it, it does beg the question. I'll, I'll get to one of them. See that little segue that I did. 
why did you accept my invitation to join the show in the first place? One, because you are a lifelong friend, as uh, you indicated early in the um, intro. But also I love the, the fact that you're trying to reach out to people, especially during this very um, unusual time in our world. And I wanted people to know that it is okay to start thinking about what is important to people. And, you know, again, mm. my life sounds very busy, but during this COVID era, I have slowed down so much. Even though I'm still giving to various organizations, the commute time has stopped. Um, you know, I just get up, still try to have some sense of schedule. You know, I have, you know, I know lots of people are trying to balance between work and, and family life. I've kind of just set a schedule between like 9 and, and 4, really, 5 if I have to, to work. But then we spend it doing game nights, or my oldest and I, we try to take walks at least, you know, three to four times a week. So it's different normalcy, but for my family, we are trying to thrive in this unusual time period. And I just wanted to be able to share just a sense that, you know, it's okay to not be okay during this time, but it's also okay to find some new things that you want to move forward with whenever we get back to normal. And it just helped people see that, you know, time and commitment means various things to, to different people. And I think we as a society focus so much on time being, you know, yes, um, just this 24-hour period. But it's what are you doing in this 24-hour period to really, you know, if you were to, I don't want to sound morbid, but if you were to die tomorrow, would you say that you have been living and fulfilling life? And fulfilling doesn't mean filling it up with space of just having to check the box, but are you filling it up with things that provide you joy and happiness? And, you know, all of us are going to be faced with challenges, severe challenges, but how are you making the most of it and how are you surrounding yourself with people or doing things for others? to help you through that time. So that's why I accepted your invitation because, one, you are a friend, and I never turn my back on my friends, no matter how, you know, non-connected we have been through the years or not. I, you know, once you're a ouch. friend to me. No, it wasn't an ouch on your part because that was an ouch on me. <laughs> um, but, you know, once you're a friend to me, I feel like I should be able to pick up the phone or send an email and say, hey, it's been a while, but, you know, will you, and you don't even have to get it out of your mouth, and I will say yes. So that's how I look at, it, at my friendships being something that's very interconnected because it, it's truly an honor for me to call someone a friend or be a friend to someone, and that comes with a lot of responsibility, and one is being there for people during their time of need or otherwise. And see, Lynn, that's just one of the many, many reasons that we're friends. I, I, I couldn't say it any better, so I'm not even going to try. Just thank you, because I don't know who needed to hear it, but somebody needed to hear that. So thank you for bringing that. Mm -hmm. We've talked very casually about your career, things you've done, volunteer organizations, your family. Now, buried within that, there's a bunch of transitions. 
Right, whether it's uh, getting the, the Kimmy degree with the BA in economics, going into manufacturing. You worked in manufacturing. We hadn't talked about that at all. Going back to school, getting the MBA and the JD, going back to the manufacturing world in a different role, this time in, in a legal counsel sort of role, marriage, kids, a whole bunch of transitions just woven in there. I, yeah. I want to call those out now, or at least um, call out the ones that were most important or stood out the most to you. So of all those transitions, which one stands out the most and why? Oh, my goodness. Well, that's a, a low question. <laughs> what will be, I think for me, okay, if you're only giving me one, that's the hardest thing. What would it be? I think for me, it was finding my spouse and my soulmate um, would come in clearly as number one because I would not be able to do all that I am doing without a supportive spouse. And I know and recognize that everyone doesn't have that luxury or has found that person yet. Um, but, you know, we can be yin and yang, but we've found sort of where we mix well together and um, how that needs to work for us. And it's going to be different for each couple or each individual. But I would say that was the um, most significant transition. I was in law school when we got engaged. I had met him prior to starting law school. And I was busy back then, pre-kid. You know, we dated for five years. He knew a lot about me. I knew a lot about him, but we still find new surprises every year for us as well. So I would say that was the biggest transition. And and why is because, you know, I had been by myself. You know, my parents had raised me to be a strong, um, independent woman. And strong and independent, y'all. Like, I, let me – I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I got to <laughs> echo that. Uh, like, like you look up strong and independent. Very strong and independent. Like for real, you look up strong and independent in the dictionary, and there's a headshot of Lynn sitting with a bunch of degrees. Oh, uh, you know, for me, the sharing of my space was interesting, but you know, also again, just growing to to understand you can be strong and independent, but. There comes a, there comes aspects of your life where you need someone to to rely on and lean on, and that trust factor and all that is that's with marriage. So that that would be my significant transition. And so that's incredibly beautiful on multiple levels. The the one thing that I I want to call out is that you you can look at someone like you, Lynn, someone with your your pedigree, your background, your experience, your degrees, your your level of commitment to the community, and it's easy to wonder, right, how how does she find the time? How does she fit all that together? You just gave us the answer. You your biggest transition was finding this partner that fully supports and understands you. That in your own word, allows you to do this other stuff. I think that's what people miss sometimes. It's, it's one thing to look at, again, someone's resume or CV or list of accomplishments and not realize what's going on in the background from a support standpoint. Yep. 
And I think, you know, for me, my background was my parents had been married over 60 years. I had never seen them have a fight one iota of that time. They could have done, they could have been mad at each other. I, I, I subsequently learned that there were many, but to the outside <laughs> world and for a young child, I was just like, my parents are happy. And, you know, it was 60 years of them together, and it was a give and take. So, you know, my mom, as I said, was a school teacher. My dad was a postal carrier for many of those years. And I remember him being the one to take me to school and pick me up, whereas most of the moms would. And I'd always be like, you know, my dad is so cool. He can do this. He can do that. Um, so, again, I think it's just the perspective of your background, but your what I also tell people, again, I'm incredibly blessed by having that, but your background does not have to dictate your future. And just because you may not have seen that growing up, you, you, don't, you don't necessarily rule that out to say that can't be created for the life that I want to lead. Nice. And I, I love the way you brought in the tie because I was actually going to throw it out, and I'll, I'll throw it out, and hopefully it won't sidetrack us too much. It's almost the opposite of what you just said. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean you, you can't create it for you. And I love that concept of creation because some of us have to do that. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, the quotes that I do like because I think there is power I want to get your take on, you can't be what you can't see. And I totally agree with that. <laughs> So I was a Girl Scout leader for many, many years before I had kids, and I don't have girls. She now. was a Girl Scout, y'all. This, this is a, a Girl Scout. Like, I'm, I couldn't I'm have scripted this Girl any Scout. better. Yeah. I was a for real Girl Scout. I got my gold award, which was equivalent to the Eagle Scout award. But when I came back from Wisconsin from school, I was like, I had stayed in touch with my Girl Scout leaders throughout um, college. They were super supportive, sending care packages and just notes of encouragement. And so when I came back, I started a troop in the Inglewood area where my parents' church was. For me, it was a very similar concept. You can't dream what you can't see. And so I would take them on explorations just throughout the city of Chicago. Some of them have never left the, the streets of Inglewood, so they didn't know what the Sears Tower at the time looked like. Um, they had not been downtown to a restaurant. Um, so, again, I always looked at it as you can't open the doors of opportunity to something that they don't even know exists. And for them to know right. that it exists, they have to have that exposure. And so that's why I'm a big proponent on this whole equity in education because although we live in a big city and we take for granted that everyone gets to see all 77 neighborhoods in this city, that is so opposite. And so how those girls got to see and experience, it was, it was so much more beyond Girl Scouts for me, especially with the girls that I touched and reached. And I still stay in contact with many of them today. But it was that exposure. They, you know, you know, some were like, I want to be a, an attorney like you because I was going through law school at the time. I had taken them down to Northwestern's law school program just for them to, you know, experience a program, whether it was an MLK program or something else, just so, again, they, they could see what was happening beyond their street. I've got one that has become a social worker, the one that wanted to become an attorney, I was like, your passion is not, you know, doing this. Her mom has pushed her 
she's become an educator, and she's awesome at it. Um, she teaches history and teaches under, wants the kids to understand the effects of policy and how they've driven our country to the where it is. I have another one that's going into medicine. I just feel so full when, you know, again, being able to create exposure and experiences for these girls beyond what they were able to dream to show them that they can be and exposing them to my network. And that's it, right? It's not just the experience itself. It's those connections. It's those people. It's that community. That if you think back, starting mm-hmm. transition listeners to Steve Ryman, it's that community, and you've mentioned that several times. Beautiful. Yep. Yep. All right, Lynn, and, and everything that you've done, and thank you for sharing of yourself and your transitions, what does thriving in the transition mean to you? Thriving in the transition means – Whatever success or that finish line looks for you may be different. The pathway may be different. But find something that you can focus on to get you through, whether it's just day by day. Well, you know, I'm going to have that nice glass of wine or steak or whatever at the end of the day, or I'm looking forward to having that phone call with my bestie, I'm looking forward to a D nice party, whatever <laughs> to focus you on. <laughs> Again, short term and long term. You know, I am I am not one that's big on creating what my life looks like five years from now or three years from now. I hate that question when it's interviews. So no vision board because that's my next question. What's your no? It's, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hate those questions because. You know, even with my career path, it has turned and twigged and gone down and up. You know, I've experienced so many things from a professional standpoint. But, you know, if I kept just saying I want to be X, I want to be X, and this this pathway is not pulling me towards that, I would have gotten very frustrated very early on, just throwing up my hands. But I think Knowing what your end goal is, just in general, it doesn't have to be very specific. Well, I have to be this by the time I'm age this, and I have to be this by the Give yourself flexibility, room to breathe, and room to be forgiving if life isn't, you know, a barrel of lemonade for you at the time. But making sure that you keep your eye on the prize. And if you don't have an eye on the prize long term, because, like, for me, just to be honest, I thought at one point, yes, I want to be a general counsel. And I still have that dream. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be, you know, totally upset. I've done a lot of different things in my career. Or maybe do I pivot to the business side? And, you know, is my goal to be more of a, a CEO or CAO or something like that? Having flexibility in those goals. And, you know, not being so harsh on myself that, oh, I'm 40 and I never got to get this done yet. Well, you don't know life, what life has to offer to you. So I think thriving in the transition means not being fixated on what you can't control, but being able to focus on what you do have control over and find what it allows you to be okay, meaning more on the positive than than thriving on the negative. 
brilliant. I, I absolutely agree with it. I, I, yeah, I got the podcast, but I absolutely agree with that definition, not dwelling on what you can't control, but focusing on the things that you can and having the flexibility to pivot. Yep. I like it. So I started this, this thing, and I, I, I didn't start it, but I, I started using it around love songs or songs of support, devotion, reassurance, comfort, whatever you want to call them. Back in episode four, my premise was that if folks would care about themselves as much as they care about the object in their favorite love song, they'd be in a better place to thrive in the transition. So my question for you, Lynn, after all of that, what love song would you dedicate to yourself? What song would you use to thrive more in a transition? It's a love slash gospel song, but it was a song that helped me get through my mom's transition. The gist of the song is always remember that you need to love yourself. So my favorite song to get me through some of my worst transitions was Forever by Jason Nelson. Even though it's a gospel song, it sounds like a love song. So if you listen to the words and lyrics and just the melody, it gives you in that frame of mind that I can survive this transition and move forward to the next challenge on your list. With everything that we talked about, with everything that you shared, what's the one thing that you want to leave people with? What I would want people to remember this whole podcast is, again, Time is what you make of it. Remember, even for those that are out there hunting because they're early in their career or they're doing career transitions or this just is a stressful time because you've lost your job due to COVID, remember that you can't take away memories and the people around you are going to remember you by something, whether you were present in the moment or you weren't. How do you want to have your memories be made? Wow, you, you can't take away memories. That's super, super cool. That's, that's super powerful, especially in, in such strange days, right? We've not lived mm-hmm. through anything like this, this generation, this thing that, that can galvanize us or rip us apart. But if you focus on the memories that you want to leave, that totally shifts that focus. That totally puts a spotlight on commitment versus time yep. and gives great perspective. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. No, glad to, to share it. All right. That brings us to the end of our time together, Lynn. Uh, thank you. Thank you so very much for joining. Thank you for the knowledge that you dropped. And really, most importantly, for sharing your experiences. Because to me, that's part of what this podcast is all about. And like I said, I don't know who needed to hear it, but someone did. Well, I'm happy to help your listeners, and it was great having this conversation with you, my friend, Will, and hopefully we will, um, you'll have me back for something else that you might be uh, growing in the, in the future. So happy to do it. Oh, so you count on that because you are a wealth of knowledge, information, connection, experience. Like, seriously, folks, go, go check out our LinkedIn profile. You're, you're going to be amazed. Another special thank you to Lynn Watkins Asianbi for sharing her story and tips around time versus commitment. You have but to look at the world right now and see how this is impacting everyone. 
I mean time versus transition, especially during this period of a global transition, a.k.a. the pandemic known as COVID-19. But here's the thing. It's not about everyone else. It's about you and your unique transition. Maybe, like Lynn, this is a time to pause a little bit, to reflect and catch your breath. Perhaps you're on the opposite end of the spectrum. The demands on your time have actually increased either due to work and what you do. Maybe you're a frontline worker, an essential worker, a first responder, or maybe you now have to care for your family members. Whatever the case, it's up to you. That's why it's your transition. But the commonality is this. You need to carefully weigh how and where you spend your time versus what you're truly committed to. If you don't, you might be investing your time somewhere that doesn't matter or that doesn't get you closer to what you want. You see what I did there? I said investing time versus spending time because that really is the difference. As Lynn so eloquently said, it's not about the amount of time, the number of hours in a day, it's about what you do with that time. A key part of thriving in the transition is absolutely focusing on commitments, those things that matter to you. That's how it appears that people could be superhuman or don't sleep or have somehow rewritten the rules of quantum physics. It looks on the outside like they're doing all this really great stuff when the reality is they're just focusing on commitments. To drive this home, I'm going to share a personal story. I was in the middle of my coach training program. We just finished this segment on relationships to time and the power of commitment. So it was, well, it should have been front of mind. But all that was put aside when I was faced with my own day, right? And it was a day where it seemed like I had these monumental responsibilities. I'm talking about one of those days where you would need four of you to get through the task list for that day. I was looking at something like this. There was a commute downtown, which was about an hour. I knew once I got to the office, there were multiple phone calls, meetings, and project work, at least another four hours. I had made this commitment to a colleague to help with a leadership conference that she was producing downtown. I didn't even know what that time commitment was, but I knew I'd made the commitment to a friend. Then there was the commitment back. Again, if you listened to me a few sentences ago, that would be an hour. I had this commitment to church, which would have been about an hour. I, I had to take some, some things to be donated or to be organized. Regardless, I had to get back home, get the stuff, organize it, put it in my car, take it to church. At least an hour. Oh, I have kids. I had to pick up the kids from school to locations, at least another hour, then make dinner. And yes, my middle child at the time, and he's still in Taekwondo, but he had a Taekwondo lesson that night. And just doing the quick math, we're already at 10 to 12 hours. So I immediately did what most of us do. Well, I guess Liam's not going to go to Taekwondo and that stuff won't go to church. If we're lucky, that's all that's going to be cut out. 
that friend may not get my assistance at the leadership conference. So mentally, I just cut off those things that I was pretty sure that I wasn't going to get to right off the bat, right? I hadn't even gotten on the train at this point, but I already had decided those things were not going to make the cut for the day. Then I remembered that coach training. I stopped myself and looked at my commitments, those things that really mattered. What did I verbally promise? What did I commit to? I made commitments to help my colleague. That mattered. That's a relationship thing. That's an integrity thing. That's something that I said I would do, yet I hoped I wouldn't have to. Then I made this commitment to take my child to Taekwondo. We invested money. He was doing Taekwondo because I was doing Taekwondo. So it was really a potential monumental make or break father-son relationship thing. Yes, it's just one lesson. And no, it wasn't that grand, but that's the way it felt. That was the weight of that commitment. And of course, I committed to drop this stuff off at church, right? That's where my family got its spiritual well-being from that church community. But yet those were the two very things that I said weren't going to happen right off the bat. After reevaluating, I had to do those things. I made commitments. So the best I was able to do was, well, let me try and see. Let me see where the day goes. Who knows? It might all work out. But secretly, not so secretly, in the back of my mind, I knew that my youngest and the church thing were going to be missed out that day. So this is what actually happened. I got on the train, went downtown. I get to the office. I'm, I'm doing my stuff. So we're a couple hours into it. I'm being incredibly efficient and productive with my day. But there's still this commitment I made to the colleague to help out. So I call her. Hey, you don't still need me for this thing, do you? Yes, Will. Yes, I do. When can you get here? Ah. All right, so I leave the office and go to the, it was the Blackstone Hotel, downtown Chicago, Michigan Avenue. So I go, first thing I do, how long are you going to need me? I don't know, maybe a couple hours. Oh, that's the last thing I wanted to hear. I was hoping it was an hour or less. Here's the thing. At that point, I suspended any negative thoughts that I had. I didn't worry about time. I decided to be in the present. I was asked to help out at this leadership conference for a reason. Coincidentally, it was filled with people that I knew that I had great relationships with. The session was incredibly impactful, not only to me and them. I was able to be myself. When I started to be myself, I didn't think about time, like not at all. So two hours had passed. We finished the exercises and I was helping out and facilitating exercises and all this stuff. We were done and my colleague's like, well, oh my God, that was amazing. Thank you so much. We're good. If you've got other things to do, feel free to do it, but you can stay if you want to. So of course I'm like, no, no, no. It was, I felt like one of those cartoons uh, where it was like, Pew! and all you saw was a dust of my outline and I was out the door, looked at my watch and I'm like, yeah, that was two hours, but I can still make this work. So went straight from the hotel to the train trained to the car, not looking at the watch, just focusing on the commitment. And you get where this story is going, so I'm not going to belabor the point. Bottom line, got home, got the stuff for church, took it to church, box checked, went back home, reorganized, 
went and got the kids from two separate schools, mind you, box checked, got home, got dinner going, started, maybe even finished. I'm not even sure. It literally was a blur. Got my middle son to Taekwondo class, got him back home, box checked, sat down, and literally it all came out. It felt amazing. And right on cue, my wife comes over, sits next to me, and gives that question. How was your day? Let me tell you, it was amazing, and I did the thing and the stuff, and I went downtown, and I didn't think I had the time to do it, but I did, and I went over to the Blackstone Hotel and did the things and stuff, and came back and then went to the church and the thing, and the pastor says hi, and got over there and did the stuff. I felt amazing. It really was like being a superhero for that day. And I think what really drove it home was knowing that I was about to cut things off of that list versus following through on my commitments. That's the point. That's what I wanted to share. That's the power of time versus commitment. Everything got done. But most importantly, I kept my commitment. I was true to myself. I didn't give up which is exactly how I started the day. I started the day in a position to give up, right? I was ready to concede. You with me? There's power here. Now, let's get back to the episode. There were so many great points and moments in that conversation with Lynn. I'm going to do my best to summarize some of those points, at least the things that stood out to me. Hopefully, these same things stood out to you but maybe even better if different things stood out to you. First, passion leads to opportunity. As Lynn illustrated early on in her career, she sought opportunity, but because she did later in her career, the opportunity sought her. But what if you don't know what your passion is? Fulfill your passions through lived experience. What are those things that are present for you? What are those things that have value for you? What are those things that have meaning? In Lynn's case, one of the, actually two of the examples, one was her mom that was suffering from Alzheimer's. She decided no one needed to go through that suffering again. So there was the Alzheimer Association. Then there was her experience with the Girl Scouts, right? She was passionate about making sure there's equity in education, equity in experience. And she started a Girl Scout troop. Again, just mind blown thinking about that. But that's the takeaway. Passion leads to opportunity, right? And you can fulfill that passion through lived experiences. Next, it's what I just talk about. You have to weigh time versus commitment. It's not just about spending time. It's not about what's scheduled. It's about the spaces because that's where you have the time for your commitments. Think about what brings you joy. Think about what's important to you. Make the best of your time. And set limits for yourself, right? If you are available 24-7 to your company, to anything, that takes away from what's important to you. It's hard to make those commitments. Set limits, as Lynn did. Hey, when I'm in the car, that's time with my kids. I'm not doing phone calls there. If you need that time slot, let's look at the next day. But that time is reserved for them. It's a powerful limit. My work day is going to be nine to four, maybe five if it's important. 
Set those limits. Then you have time for those commitments. Then you can be the parent that you want to be. You can be the spouse that you want to be. You can be the partner that you want to be. You can be the person that you want to be. Typically, we think of setting limits as a very negative thing. It limits us. People despise anything with limits. Hence my reference at the beginning of the show to a constitutional law degree and rights and freedoms. You have to stay at home for the safety of everybody. I'm an American citizen. I can go out and get sick and get other people sick if I want to. It doesn't make sense. But it does because people hate limits. Any limit that's imposed, people are going to push against. That's all we're seeing, right? And yes, I make jest of the situation. It's, it's, it's not funny, but it's real. And we as people are real and have to acknowledge that. So make the best of your time and set limits for yourself. Lynn made this very, very subtle point. Again, people that tend to do a lot, that have a lot of success, that tend to thrive in the transition, outside looking in, it seems like it's all good. They've got it all under control. They don't have a care in the world. They're on easy street. They've got it made. Not the case. Take it for me personally. I have my days. I have my moments. I have my weeks where I'm not okay. And guess what? In Lynn's own words, it's okay not to be okay. We all need support. In this case of this episode, Lynn got her support from her husband, right? The way they met each other, the way they balance, you know, their yin and yang. It's beautiful, but everybody needs support. If right now you're thinking, well, I don't, you need support more than anyone else. Or if you think, well, I don't have it, create the community. Like the past four or five episodes, I've talked about creating this community for support. It's okay not to be okay. You can't be what you can't see. I've said this a couple times. I've put things out on social media, memes or whatever with this point. In the case of Lynn's Girl Scout troop, you need to get beyond your neighborhood. And I love the way she's so eloquent just casually throughout. If You need to make it to all 77 neighborhoods in Chicago. Was anyone else thinking, I didn't know there were 77 neighborhoods in Chicago? Whatever the number is, I think she said 77. But whatever the number is, think about how powerful that is. And that's just a neighborhood. You don't know what you don't know. If you've never been there, you can't possibly understand what the best restaurants are, where the best places to live are, whatever. Now let's get that really personal. If you're trying to develop your career, if you're trying to broaden your horizons, you can't be what you can't see. So you need that exposure. You need that background. You need that backdrop of what is so you can decide if that's for you or not. You can't be what you can't see. And the last one, you have to have flexibility in your goals. It's not an all or nothing. All or nothing propositions really only end in one way, failure. Because very few people get all that they want. And with that set up, as soon as you don't get it all, you're a failure. You could have done more. I knew if I should have done this. Those twin robbers that we talked about, regret and fear come into place. So you have to have flexibility in your goals. You heard it with Tammy Parrish. Maybe it's getting closer to the goal. Not necessarily there. Maybe it's a lateral move with a bit of forward momentum. Maybe you've got this ideal position, role, place that you want to be in life. Go for it. 
what's the old saying? If you shoot for the stars, you're sure to hit the moon. It's fine if you don't hit it. Just don't stop. That's where the issue comes in, right? That's where safety is violated. That's how you know that safety is violated. The lack of forward momentum. So don't let it stop you. If you don't hit your goal, oh well. Make a new goal. Adjust. But keep moving forward. So that's fine. You just need that flexibility in goals. So what I just say, passion leads to opportunity, right? You have to weigh time versus commitment. Make the best of your time and set limits for yourself. It's okay not to be okay. You can't be what you can't see and have flexibility in your goals. I know this can be a lot to take in, especially when we start talking about something as polarizing as time. What I mean by that is we all come to the table with a specific context, a predetermined belief around time and what it's based in. And that context is based on our backgrounds, our experiences, our observations in life. And it's really hard to change that predetermined belief on any topic. Some of us are hardwired to believe that there is never enough time. Time is the enemy. It's that reason that time is the root for why you can never do what it is you really want to do. I can't get my degree. There's not enough time. I can't be a volunteer. I don't have the time. I simply can't focus on self-care and take care of the family and do my job well. There isn't the time. I'll do it when things slow down. Any of those things sound familiar to you? Then there are those people that are hardwired to believe that you only need to follow your passions and commitments. And both groups don't make sense to each other, right? I'm going to throw that out there right now. If you're in the time rules all, it won't let me do anything. You don't understand these passion and commitment people. Passion and commitment people don't understand the time is the enemy people. I'm here to tell you, we've got more in common than we do in difference. There is a middle ground here right? So those passion and commitment people, they don't think about it. They just do it, right? Oh, I just focused on my goals and things happen, right? Oversimplification, right? That's where that humility thing comes in. Oh, somehow I just find time for everything. I just take things one at a time or I live my life one day at a time. You hear the difference between those two groups? No matter what your relationship to time is, I promise you, if you focus on your commitments and not time, you will be in a better place. You will position yourself to thrive in the transition. All right, that brings us to the end of another Thriving in the Transition episode. Episode 11! Thank you for joining Thanks for allowing me the opportunity to be myself. If you're getting something from this podcast, please give us a rating of five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe and add us to that list of other great podcasts that you listen to because I know you're listening to them, right? I see the numbers every week. You're listening to other podcasts. Listen to ours too. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Logic Consulting, L-O-G-I-Q, consulting. Also follow me on Instagram at logic coach, L-O-G-I-Q underscore coach. You know what? 
Also follow me on Spotify at GQ Down, G-Q-D-O-W-N. And not just for the podcast, but follow me on the regular part of Spotify with the music. Discover the playlist, discover the songs that help me thrive in the transition. Reach out on LinkedIn at DJ Will Rock, DJ W-I-L-L-R-O-C-K. Don't forget to follow the YouTube channel as well, Thriving in the Transition. And yeah, there's that website too www.thrivingintheTransition.com. Now you can get all of our episodes right from that website. We added a podcast link to the menu for your convenience. Now you don't have to go to multiple websites to get caught up. Just go to my website and while you're there, take a look around and see how else we can connect. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting this podcast and helping us grow, and I hope you are, send me an email tweet, I am, slide in the DMs, give me a phone call, whatever. You'll find a sponsorship button on my homepage on Anchor FM, www.anchor.fm forward slash T-I-T-T, T-I-T-T for thriving in the transition. Again, look for the support button. Most importantly, don't keep this a secret. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers. In fact, Tell the random people in the line at Walmart while you practice social distancing, wearing a mandated face mask. Tell all those people that you've been listening to me and the Thriving in the Transition, the podcast. Until the next episode, folks, cheers. Have a great day.